Welcome to Tech on Toast. The Tech on Toast podcast is powered by REMS Hospitality, using market data to grow your revenue. To find out more about Tech on Toast, head over to our website, techontoast.community, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, read all of our blogs, and search for the latest hospitality tech in our marketplace. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Tech on Toast. And this week, I'm very happy to be joined by Chris Sanderson, founder of Limba. Chris, hello. how are you? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're in the games room again. It's uh, <laughs> This I'm, is my studio I told you about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bonus footage of this can just be us playing table tennis or something. I'm not sure anyone will tune in for that long. but That's uh, really good. Now, we've known each other for a little while, actually, because when I was, um, you're based in Bristol, and I was um, yep. working as ops director over at Prime Minister for a while. That's when I first discovered Limba. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your, your journey and, um, and how Limba came about. My check had passed. Yes. Um, yeah, so... I started out like lots of people, uh, pot washing, um, and kind of through my teens and early twenties, kind of worked up to managing sites and ins and outs of the industry. I'm pretty, pretty well aware of, um, I had a brief interlude. Well, not that brief, like six or seven years as a tech lawyer. Um, a tech lawyer. A tech lawyer. I sound yes. like I need one of them in my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a tech lawyer. Uh, don't hold that against me, but, um, but yeah, I worked for, uh, a firm in the city and then, and then for Betfair who, um, some of your listeners will know is a massive worldwide gambling marketplace. Yes. Um, so it kind of turned me on to marketplace technology, um, which is part of the origin story of Limba. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think I was throwing a tennis ball against my wall one day, pretty, pretty keen for an out. Um, and I kind of combined all the things I'd done in my, in my kind of career and Limba popped out the other side, I think. Um, <laughs> That's a remarkable pop out. Yeah. It really is. And, and tell us a bit more about like, so how does Limba work? I, I mean, I understood it. It, it, it serviced a, um, a need for Prime Minister at the time, but how, how do you guys work? What's the, what's the business model? So the business model is essentially that we, we help operators on one side. Uh, build, manage, and share flexible teams. Um, in this post-Brexit and post-COVID world, um, tapping into that wider marketplace, wider talent pool is really important. Um, and for individuals, we have a two-sided mission. Um, we help people live a happy, flexible, and varied work life where they can mix things up, move across their city, move across the country, in fact, um, and work in a way that suits them with fewer ties, um, Less security, sure, but fewer ties and more variety and, and fit things around whatever they've got going on in their life. And that could be many things. Yeah. And I think uh, the remarkable thing about what you're doing now is actually the world changed, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and let's not even mention the word, but about three, four years ago, everything changed. And how, how do you think the industry's changed in terms of that, in terms of, uh, I suppose, recruitment and uh, the way people are using flexible staffing? Have you seen a big change? Because I know when you started out, obviously, um, when I first met you, it was probably different to where we are now. Yeah, I think it it took a cataclysmic event like um, Brexit and not everyone can pandemic. put that in their business in their roadmap. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. We, need, we need a pandemic. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We were not forecasting that, but yeah, it it took that event. I think for um, operators to open their minds a little bit to what was possible. Um, the need for flex- the desire and the need for flexibility hasn't changed. It's increased, sure, um, but it hasn't fundamentally changed. The thing has changed is operator attitudes and. The industry was amazing at moving quickly and adopting new tech, um, and, and thankfully for us, they've they've carried on that good work post pandemic. And um, yeah, there's certainly more openness to talk um, about more flexible and more creative ways of staffing your business than there was maybe four years ago when we first spoke. Um, 
but yeah, took a pandemic to do that. And what are they asking for? Is it, is it, you know, is it, does the need, I suppose, in a lead in your world, does someone come to you saying, you know, we've got this problem, or, you know, we're just short on people, or, is, or are there specific needs around departments? Is, is, is it a general need? I think it's a general need, and I think different people come to us with different times in their, in their journey, with different expectations, um, but all with a desire to open their minds and, and, and think about different ways of doing things, which is, which is awesome. Um, and I think, I think fundamentally people are always going to be very careful about the people in their business. Um, you know, I know that, that it's the lifeblood of your organization. It's really important to get right. Um, it's just what that means for individual sites or individual operators is now a little bit different. Um, and I think the, the big thing we try and do is as ever as a marketplace, you have to balance two sides and the balance we're trying to we're trying to have is one side flexibility, but the other side is consistency because you can't just run around filling shifts with anyone you like. Um, you need a semblance of consistency. You need to, um, have your teams and your customers happy. And the best way of doing it is to have some familiar faces. So it's how do we marry flexibility and how do we marry, um, the the other side, which is that, that, that consistency together. And we, we've thankfully done a good job of doing that, but, um, it took a little bit of time for us to understand that that was the the key tension in our business. Yeah, for sure. And I I remember I grew up in hard rock mostly, you know, we spent um, eight years there and, um, I think the, the, what I call the gig worker, um, excuse the pun with hard rock, uh, the, the gig worker that worked there was actually as important. We were educated that they were as important, if not the most important person in the building, because they were the ones who came back regularly on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon when you didn't have the full timers to rely on or whatever it might be to kind of get you through that peak of sales. And how important are those people? Obviously, they're important to Limber, but how important are they to the industry, do you think? <laughs> Yeah, they that word is a very charged word. The gig, the gig worker. I mean, you use it in a in a, in a pun there, but <laughs> I think um, it, it's both fortunate and unfortunate that there have been businesses that come before ours that kind of have solidified this quite negative view of the gig economy amongst um, well, just general public, let alone the industry. Um, and I think it's a, an important myth to dispel. Um, a gig worker. I'm not not really sure what that means. Um, Me neither. It's, it certainly <laughs> it's, yeah, it certainly doesn't mean. Um, in our world, it certainly doesn't mean a temp whose only commitment is one shift. Um, I think different business models like Uber and Delivery perhaps have a more purist form yeah. uh, definition of the gig economy. Um, for us, they're not gig workers. For us, they're not temps. For us, they're flexible staff. Um, and that doesn't mean they're not talented. Um, there's incredibly talented people on Limba. It doesn't mean they're not committed. There's some people who've been on Limba for five years um, and they've worked for different employers for multiple years um, very regularly. It means that they need more than one employer to be able to make their schedule work. Um, and they could be the most skilled person in your business. They could be one of the least skilled person in your business. They could be the most committed. They could be slightly less committed. But the the point is they aren't a different brand of human, which has different like abilities and skill levels. That's just... You mean they're the same as a full-time yeah, worker yeah, where yeah. they just do one shift? Right, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're giving the same amount of passion and energy to that one shift. Um, and yeah, that's certainly a, a misconception we come across a lot, which is, which is cool. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the nature of the beast, but, um, it's certainly something that we're frankly able to dispel that myth. And it's interesting what you said about, you mentioned how some people uh, have been on the platform for a while and they keep coming back. It's the nature of that flexibility. I presume that they can actually, the way you word it there, they, they can to suit their life, to kind of fund their life as it would be. I want a shift here and a shift there to make that work. Yeah, funnily enough, for a flexible worker, 
um, they'll have more lo- more loyalty to the thing that gives them flexibility than they would ever have to one single employer. So, Amen. They, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So they answer to the app. Yeah. Um, they don't answer to me or anyone at Limber unless they cross some lines, which we have, we have rules and regulations. But principally, if they do all the right things, they delete the app, turn off notifications, do what they want when they're not interested. Um, they don't respond to shifts when they don't want to work. They do when they do. They have three or four of their favorite venues, perhaps, and they keep going back. Um, and 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 that's it. And that's an incredibly empowering way to work. So powerful. Um, and actually, different periods of life, you'll be turned on to that versus not. I mean, I know people have joined Limbo Work Flexibly, then found a job for a year because they had to. Um, and then something else has come along, and it will be different reasons for each of those individuals. But, like someone asked me what the typical limber worker was the other day. It's like the typical limber worker is there is no typical limber worker. Like <laughs> that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Like they could be, you know, they could be teachers, which is a bit sad, but you know, um, I wish we pay our teachers more, but um, they could be teachers. They could be nurses. They could be single parents. They could be uh, students. They could be graphic designers, surf instructors, um, people with uh, mental or physical um, uh, health problems in which they can't work. They can't commit to work. They don't know when they're going to be okay to, um, there are so many different reasons why Limbo works and very few of the reasons are this person's lazy and not committed. I, I love it. And I, cause I th- having w- grown up in the industry, as I said, all my life that actually you, you beg for those people to turn up on a Saturday, you know, and it's, and, and I think my, I talked about it before on these podcasts, my youngest son autistic is autistic. And um, when he goes to look for work, something like this would suit him so much more because he's not going to want full time pressured work he's going to want something he can dip in and dip out of which suits his needs and you're right that's just one example of probably a thousand you could give of these people who are kind of uh using your platform that's it and uh and different people have different matches right so um what we never do we never say yeah we have a load of people on this platform that can suit your business because frankly we don't know what your business needs because you know what your business needs our assessment of what your business needs is totally irrelevant um and our assessment of a worker is totally irrelevant in that case. We have some minimum standards, but this is about posting shifts, trialing people out to join your flexible team. And then they work for you consistently, but flexibly. And you build that, you build that over time. Um, and the big thing for us for multi-site businesses is you build that team. If every site builds their team, then the multiplying effect is massive. So if you've got 10 sites in a city, everyone builds a team of five people across disciplines you now have a team of 50 that can work across your organization and yeah, vetted. Yeah. And right. I, I think the, the your flexible team you just called it then was really interesting because that's probably a term that didn't exist or maybe existed in people's minds and when you go back to the old days of agency and that kind of stuff which casual dining and those areas never really touched it was more no. hotel-based work but yeah. that flexible team is absolutely vital i think in um in this day and age. And I didn't tell you this before I saw you still, but I was going through small emails. I was looking for an email I sent to someone called Jonathan. <laughs> and I found an email to John Simon at Prime Minister, uh, yeah. who's the founder there. Yeah, yeah. And I'd said to John, oh, well, we would, well, we'd read something from the MCA about what was going on the, um, with the economy yeah. at that point back in 2017, I think it was. Right. And on there was your, and at the end I said, what about Limber? That was, <laughs> it's that was so weird. Head. Literally I read that this week and it just shows that actually circumstances drive change and we were talking about motivators in a team meeting before and about timing yeah. yeah that it it doesn't always fit right what you're doing right now full-time work doesn't always fit your life because stuff happens yeah it does stuff happens you, you drift in and out of having that those circumstances which is it's cool i mean um there's no judgment from our perspective and, and luckily like the the industry's attitude is, is is changing as well so um yeah that's really cool to see and, and what about when people go into businesses then 
So you, you obviously you're not training them. You're not inducting them. You're not teaching them about the cultures nope. of Prime Minister or Hard Rock Cafe. You're nope. just saying we've got this great individual who's passed our minimum um, yep. procedure. How, how, do you get faced with barriers there then when people are going? Are the brands expecting you to, or are they, I suppose, less keen to work with you because of that? Is there, is there a barrier there? Yeah, look, there's always... Um, no, I mean, no, in terms of that conversation, um, for an individual manager of a site, um, obviously the good ones will, will have, um, high expectations on what they need. Yeah. Um, and for us, it's about two things. It's about one surfacing the data that managers need to make good hiring decisions. Um, we're not going to guarantee the quality of every worker because everyone's definition of quality is different. So, um, how much data can we service surface to you in like a reasonable amount of data, but the best amount of data for you to make a good decision. How much, how well can we do that? So that's, that's responsibility. Number one, responsibility. Number two is making our platform as easy as possible to use so that, um, every first shift is a trial to join your flexible team, just like any paid trial shift yep. would be. Um, and people who do unpaid trial shifts, I'm not welcome on member. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, and, and, and that trial shift to join your team, like you make that assessment. Um, and you know, one percent of the time it doesn't work out 98 percent of the time it's good or brilliant um it fundamentally works um will you meet people you don't like sure do you meet people you don't like every day when you're trying to recruit sure um that isn't that isn't a symptom of our platform it's a symptom of you know humankind um and we just give you as many tools as possible to assess and then make it as easy as possible to work with that person going forward it's so true isn't it because you're right when you do a trial shift even for a full-timer uh, you're going to spend that, what, three hours maybe looking at someone in a, mm. in a weird environment that might mm. not be very busy or you pick yeah. a, I used to work with the guys who used to pick a Monday afternoon for a trial shift. I'm like, God, we, you know, you're not going to find anything about them. But you still hire them and they'll still churn like everybody else churns and it's a, it's a difficult scenario. But yeah, you, it's the same process, isn't it, effectively? It is. Um, the churn thing is interesting. So depending on who you listen to in the industry, annual churn is it is up from pre-pandemic. Um, 140% is kind of normal. Um, and I think most people think that's core team stick around because your managers stick around for longer yeah. than that. But that means your casual team are ch- probably churning like three times over. Um, and so like when loyalty isn't really a thing anyway, um, we're actually not finding it difficult to talk to operators and say, you haven't got loyalty, you haven't got consistency anyway. Um, so there's a better way of doing this and actually you might get more loyalty and more consistency over a longer period of time yeah. if you if you have a slightly looser grip on them. Because it's not their choice. It's the worker's choice, right? It's That's the it. worker's choice if they want to pick up a shift or not. And that changes it. And if you find somewhere you like working, right, if you enjoy working with a particular team of people, you're going to obviously frequent them more. It just makes sense because you've already done the hard work of getting to know these people. You will. And um, and uh, I'm sure if an investor is listening to this, they'll kill me for saying <laughs> this, but, but we don't police or have introduction fees. Um, if you want to hire someone off the platform, because we don't own these people, um, they're choosing to work flexibly. And the minute that doesn't work for them anymore, they're going to get a job, a traditional role anyway. So, um, if they meet someone on Limba they want to do that with, then great, um, all power to them. And, um, they'll probably still get top up income on the platform and, or maybe back when the circumstances suit them, but. And they become a raving fan, right? They've come through your system and found themselves a career or a job whatever it might be and they're going to pass it on to the next people they meet all fine by us yeah yeah 
<laughs> I love the fact yeah. you don't own them. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, new, new slash companies <laughs> don't own people. I know. What kind of feedback do you get then? Because yeah, we were we were joking off air before about um, what do you call limber workers? Do you have like a branded um, a branded type for them? But we we ended up at workers, right? Yeah. One, there was a day we there was a day we sat and did a a workshop on what is the right nomenclature for uh, for a limber person and limberer yeah. was the was the best was the Limbo? best. No. Li- yeah, yeah. No. we could do this for a while. Yeah, we could. You've already done it. We, we did. We did worker, which is which I think is um, slightly diminishing and not the best brand, but um, it does make sense and accurately reflect what's going on. Oh, what? Because these guys and girls are going in and, as you say, in different circumstances, uh, fulfilling roles. What kind of feedback, or do you get much feedback from, or are they just literally logging in, logging out, and doing their mm. thing? So we get two types of feedback, I guess. Um, we get kind of anecdotal and uh, customer service feedback and things like, you know, app reviews and stuff like that that that, um, that we collate and we respond to when we need to and we just listen to if it's good. Um, <laughs> if it's bad, we do something about it if we can. Um, and then every single shift has a feedback loop, um, which I'm, I'm, as with lots of things on Limber, um, in two minds about. So both sides rate each other. Right. Um, really great on the higher side that workers can rate a hire. They answer some, they can answer some basic questions like what did they find it a fair and respectful place to be? And we surface that data in aggregate, not individual ratings, um, to workers so they can make decisions on where they want to work. Um, and so that consistently good behavior is rewarded with a consistently high score and consistently, I mean, I'm going to say poor behavior cause that doesn't really happen, but consistently average behavior yeah. reflects in a average score. So, um, that's brilliant and that is a good side of i think ratings because i think when you rate a business it's less personal um that rating's out of five um we have a worker rating out of three which we mean to mean um not so great good and brilliant um we thought long and hard about that system i would rather we didn't have to have it but from a trust perspective to get operators engaged with the platform it is really important that you have that mechanism um and obviously, as you grow over time, it makes less difference because you're doing shifts at the same place yeah, and you're yeah. getting default ratings for those anyway, although they can change if, if, your, if, if your situation changes. But um, I, we, we don't love the mental health aspect of doing that. We are careful to only apply that rating system as compassionately as we can. Um, and, you know, there may be a time when the trust in software to source people becomes more absolute and that rating system can take a backseat and maybe only positive stuff can be serviced surfaced and we can act on the really negative stuff if we have to to you know improve behaviors or 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 suspend people from the platform if we have to so um we're always i'm always uh reflecting on that and um getting rated for every shift do i think that long term is how we want to go Probably not, but for now, it's 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 where it is. I think reviews and that kind of stuff generally, you know, you've got the big guys like you know when talking about TripAdvisor, yeah. Google, all that kind of stuff. They have that control. We, we I think we we were talking about this where it was. Um, I'm not sure. I have a lot of chats, yeah. uh, but we were talking generally about um, how it's one sided. A lot of that stuff, anyway, mm-hmm. right? How the the operator in that sense doesn't get to really have a right to respond, and that stuff's out yeah. there. Once it's on the internet, it lives right forever. It does, and I think I hope most people look at things more in aggregate and. Maybe they dip into negative reviews to make sure they're not, you know, for example, if I, if I see a, someone's giving one star and complaining about service, I'd take that with a pinch of salt because they probably didn't mean one star. They're probably, <laughs> <laughs> they're probably just angry. They're probably just angry. So that's, that's okay. They're probably just pissed off because they got bad service. Or, yeah. Or one star is normally an emotional reaction, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if, if it's like one star, um, 
they poisoned me um, and then stabbed me in the hand with a fork. I, you know, I'm going to listen to that. So, so um, yeah, it would be yeah, cool. Yeah, don't go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, so, you know, um, we all have a moving opinion of rating systems and that conversation will continue to evolve. And and you've been doing this for a while now. How long how long has the movement been going? Uh, twenty seventeen is normally the year I go. Oh, so it was that year that story. Yeah, I was already talking about you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty seventeen. Yeah, but um, and I, I think most of the problems in hospitality are evergreen, right? They just a lot of people reframe them, and then obviously circumstances like the pandemic come along and make, mm. make them you know make them bigger. Um, what have you noticed that's what keeps coming back across your desk, I suppose, that is in limbo that you keep thinking, wow, that's still an issue. We can't get over this or, you know, the industry just can't seem to get past this. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I, I understand it. The, the, the kind of concerns around people viewing our marketplace as somehow worthless. Um, that's frustrating because of the, kind of data that our platform spits out. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, you can kind of show that that's, that's clearly not, that's clearly not the case. Um, you can point to like individual situations where there is true, but on aggregate, you, you can't really get there. So, um, but, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't frustrate me because it's like, I get it. You have to look after people because people provide your service and your service is all you've got. Um, so in a world where you're clamoring more and more for attention of customers, I can understand that. And I don't, I don't, I forgive anyone for, for having that concern. And we just have that discussion and it will probably, that will probably never stop. That's fine. Um, that's just the nature of like, that was like the number that's one thing. Your like, job. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> we built this platform. Yeah, cool. It works. But you, you know, you, you, you have to get over that hurdle and that's, that's fine. And it's getting easier and easier because is that like, more so prevalent. Right? I was going to say, is that a big, a big part of your, I mean, I don't want to call it selling because that makes it sound not what it is, but is that where you spent most of your time talking when you talk about limit is about the engagement around, you know, uh, these, this actually works. This is, this is the same as what you already have, but we're doing it in a, in a manner that suits the worker. Yeah. I think, um, it was hard at the beginning and then we kind of, you know, we started to talk about how flexibility and consistency could be married up. Um, and now, and now actually we, with most operators, we now kind of partner on a more technical basis. So, um, we have a, a white label product right. um, or an own brand product. So you can actually spin up your own limber effectively nice. um, color palette and all the branding in your, in your, whatever you want it to be. And you can host your own version and drive traffic there. And um, so you own it then so as right. the, the brand, right. you, yeah. bra you own yeah. it and now you're bored and now you're engaged with it. And now you're building Crazy, your own flexible team and now the conversation <laughs> changes. So, and that's cool. And that's, um, how did you come about um, that? I'm, I'm interested. I love, obviously I love the way tech iterates yeah. sometimes. There's normally a weird something that happened or, or a moment that caused that to flip. Yeah. Um, we had time in the pandemic to <laughs> look at it. That bloody um, P word. Yeah, yeah. Properly. So we spent a lot of time in the pandemic building scheduling integrations and thinking about our white label tech and I think the vision for Limber has always been a kind of multifaceted kind of central pool of work of work yeah. being accessed by different endpoints for workers that it, you know, it could come, it could be, you know, in the future that it's, it's hostility and care. And, um, there's a different world where you join via, if you want to go for the care route, and yeah. it's all kind of sitting in the same place and we kind of run the central aggregated 
shift matching and you're like the deliver act of people right <laughs> the deliver act of people interesting <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, well they're the middleman right yeah, they sit yeah, amongst all the aggregators and they they that's the job they do maybe yeah. i'm maybe i'm just giving you a disservice no no, no 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 you're right you're right to make that parallel i think and um and we were just looking for ways for i think mainly to to help operators drive down the cost of using a platform like ours yeah just to say cool i mean we're all for I mean, it would be totally different commercials if you're hiring people that you've sourced yourself. Like, yeah. we just have a different commercial model for that. Um, and uh, it just makes loads of sense. And you can leverage your brand and your reach and your digital um, audiences and your footfall. And anyone who doesn't want a job job can go to somewhere else. You yeah. use that on less, less market share. And the power it gives that manager, the flex, the, I'm going back to your flexible workforce comment before. Yeah. The power it gives that GM in a single site or multi-site area manager, whoever it might be, is immense because all of a sudden there's another lever to pull, right? In terms of people, because I know I've, I've I've lived it, right? You have too. Uh, I've lived that world where you just there aren't enough people to go around, and you right. can't build a workforce based on just full timers because you can't afford to. So you had to rely on this what we call the gig economy, yeah. whatever you want to call it, part timers, yeah, yeah. and having a bank of I think you've talked about fifty people in one city potentially, depending on how many locations you got, becomes extremely powerful, right? Because you're you're enabled. Yeah. So, um, the reason, I mean, the fundamental reason why operators can't offer total flexibility to everyone in their core team is because if they offered everyone total flexibility, the size of team they would need would be ridiculous Yeah, and they'd be very, very understaffed every Friday and Saturday night. So, um, you have to treat the two pools differently. You have to say to your core team, you're our core team. We're going to commit to you. We're going to give you the benefits of being our core team and, um, nurturing, a, uh, future prospects, et cetera. Um, and then you say to your flex team, you're you're going to have more people than you need in your flex team. So you're going to have fewer, you can be able to offer fewer hours to those all of those people than they want, but they can top up with work from other businesses or other sites. So that's that's the fundamental kind of marketplace dynamics. If you will go back to my Betfair days, but um, yeah, if if you've got ten sites in a city, ten managers build a team of five or ten, that is an awesome asset. It's amazing. I mean, I'm not, and it sounds ridiculous because sometimes when you're in it, you just don't think about it like that. Yeah. You know, managers aren't, I mean, maybe they are these days, but when I was in it, you definitely wouldn't have thought like that as in thinking about building a squad almost mm. around your Taylor Swift, uh, but, yeah. but, have a squad around your location, which becomes yes, just so powerful. And with individuals who are motivated, right? Because they're not, because they're doing it their way. Yeah, they are, that's, that's exactly it. And uh, it, it's interesting you say managers don't think like that. And Rightly so, managers find it harder to think like that. And that's where head office and HR and ops teams come in because um, what they can see is the themes and the trends and the liquid workforce and the buzzwords and all the um, graphs that go up and to the right that show about how people want more flexibility and all the percentages and all the other stats. Managers don't care about that because they're on the coal face, right? They're in it. So so the way we talk about Limber is much more thematic for head office and much more you've got a problem, which is you've got a choppy workforce, a choppy supply and demand. You've got difficult challenges to staff your business effectively every day. And the way to fix that is to have a pool of people who are going to help you get there. So that's how we talk about it to managers. You know, we can talk about all the, the sexy themes or less sexy themes, um, or we like at head office, but unless it relates and reflects back at, at general manager level, then um, it's always going to be an uphill battle. It really is. Um, and and, and uh- Obviously, you've been going, uh, what, so six years nearly? Uh, yeah. And you've got, um, well, who knows how long left to go with this thing? It could be a huge, right? Mm. So um, what what do you think the future looks like, in, not just with Limber, but in terms of recruitment and hospitality? Obviously, I'm kind of guessing where you're going with it because you've built a company to service it. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think? Um, 
Well, I guess, yeah, personally, I've bet on it being, um, <laughs> I've, bet, I've bet quite a lot of time and energy and blood, sweat and tears on it being um, a, a two-tiered approach. Um, I, I'm sure it'll be more shades gray in between that, but but core nurtured, et cetera, um, promoted. Less of a wide-based pyramid than it currently is, because that's the thing. Like We can talk about hostility being a career for people, but it's not a career for everyone at the bottom of it because there's nowhere near enough space at the top. So that's your point. That, that hiring thing isn't possible. It's fallacy. But anyway, I don't, I don't blame people for talking about it because um, it is important to promote, promote careers and promote that nourishment. So two-tiered, um, core, look after them, flex, be less controlling over those people and give them more of what they want, which is empowerment and freedom. Um, and that could work across multiple different sectors. Um, I see a rise in the portfolio career. So that's people working multiple um roles uh people who used to work for me will kill me for using this word but the slashy which is the um which is the which is the 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 way to slash graphic designer slash something else um i've got you yeah uh so that's people who want to have four or five different careers at once or four or five different careers in their lifetime um and they want to be able to move between them potentially at, at certain times i think that makes people potentially more robust more recession proof and more um well more empowered probably happier um some people a lot of brains like having fingers in lots of different pies i know you do um and and that's a really um interesting way to live so i think i see a lot of that i see a lot of like increased support for what you call the gig economy i call flexible work um banks offering mortgages based on it um rather than needing, needing a set hours of set contract, more financial products, more insurance products. Um, That'd be the game changer, right? Right. And they're coming like collective benefits are out there doing, doing gig, great gig economy work. Um, and I don't know of any banks offering mortgages for your uh, limber payslip. If but, you say um, one, they'll get a million. Up. Well, yeah, I wish, well, I, wish yeah, I had a million exactly. listeners, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so, so uh, I think that framework around this way of working will continue to evolve um, and for the better. And, the thing we think about it now, which is that, and the one the one downside to it is there is no security. Yeah. Um, there is in practice if you've worked enough on the platform, but um, there is no defined contractual right to stability, um, and that's the downside. But I think enough things will develop around it that that support will exist. Yeah, I think I think and use me as an example. I'm a really good example because I was full time corporate, you know, in and out of companies all my career, and then uh, now doing three or four things at the same time, but actually having the freedom to do it. Um, is, mm-hmm. I'm working harder than I was before, yeah. but uh, I'm having much more fun, which right. I think is the key, right? So, I mean, we've talked about Limber a lot, and I know you're at Hostech tomorrow, so if we put this out in the next three hours, people will know about that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they won't. But you're talking with um, some impressive people on stage tomorrow. Who are you talking with? Yep, so it's me and um, JB, James Brown at uh, BrewDog, um, and Jamie, who's a RBM at Mitchelson Butler. So, What um, are you discussing? <laughs> we are discussing the future of, uh, well, appealing to a mobile native generation, um, building flexible teams, um, so talking around some of the issues, hopefully not doing a blatant sell of Limber. Uh, hopefully just talking about, um, you know, the way the market's in your Limber t-shirt. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. Limber, Limber, Limber tattoo on my forehead. I'm just going to go get that in a second. Uh, yeah. So, um, that'll be a really engaging discussion. Looking forward to doing that. Um, we'll be at Hostec as well with our, um, arcade machines. Um, oh. and voucher for NQ64. So, oh, I like what uh, you've done there. That's better. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Everyone's the, getting really creative these days doing stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, how many how many boring stands you've been to that's just like... Um, are you doing all the trade shows this year then? Are you doing... Are you just doing... How's tech are you doing? Just, just for the moment. We will, do, we will do a few more later in the year, I think. But, um, but yeah, uh, our angle at the moment is 
some things are better retro, but staffing isn't one of them. So you'll be you talking to, come, to the king of retro. That's here. it. You'll be able to come and play Pac-Man and Space Invaders and uh, guess how many sweets in the jar. And uh, Damn, I need my ticket. I'm yeah, going yeah, exactly. to find a way there tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I've been trying to blag him already. Um, right, look, and how can people find you? Obviously, um, it's really exciting what you're doing. And I think what excites me is that one day we're going to go to a head office and there'll be someone in charge of flexible working, someone in charge of permanent working, right? Mm. Or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know? That's kind of an exciting time. And I agree. I think it's very much uh, not far down the road at all, right? If not happening already in some big brands. Yeah, yeah, um, how do people find you? Uh, where do they, do they stalk you on LinkedIn? Or So, yeah, LinkedIn, you can find me at limber.work. It's a website. You can have a look there. Uh, Chris at limber.work. If you want to send me a direct email, I might regret that. That was brave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hello at limber.work if you want to complain. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you can reach out to us. We're pretty responsive. Hello, Carmen at REMS did that. She gave her email out and uh, she, she did a sale through it so well, there we go all, all good uh, all right lovely well thanks very much for coming in no i appreciate really you joining appreciate me in my um my games room here in uh, here in london and uh, we'll see you soon amazing thanks for having me thanks bye-bye cheers bye thanks for listening make sure you tune in next week to find out who we've got coming up or you can go and check out tech on toast community to find out more about what we're up to have a great week